0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome today. It's good to be here with you and to study the Bible together. It's a grand thing. I tell you, I do love to study the Word of God. It's, it's a, just a, just a, a blessing to me, too, to be able to talk with you about this text today and discover some new things, perhaps, about what the Bible might have to say to you. Bible is so wonderful. It can say one thing one day and something else another. another. Just be a blessing in so many ways as you look at the same text again and again and again. Well, let me have a prayer with you. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, help us to a deeper understanding of your holy word. Make us mindful of your presence. In the midst of the beginning of our day, we thank you for the restful evening you provided us and for the joy of the coming of the morning. We thank you for thy servant Paul and his letter to the Galatians. As we draw near to it, give us a deeper understanding of its mysteries. For we want to be your children. Obedient to your will. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, we're going to look at uh, the third chapter, or perhaps we'll get the third chapter done. But I want to read it to you, and uh, I'm, I'm using this living Bible, as paraphrase here, to make some of these more difficult things a little clearer. I'm going to begin with you at uh, chapter 3 of Galatians. If you turn there and then look down to verse 10, that's where I'm going to begin reading. And I'm going to read on through to the end of this third chapter of Paul's letter to the Galatians. He writes, yes, and those who depend on the Jewish laws to save them are under God's curse. Well, the scriptures point out very clearly, cursed is everyone who at any time breaks a single one of these laws that are written in God's book of the law. Consequently, it's clear that no one can ever win God's favor by trying to keep the Jewish laws. Because God has said that. That the only way we can be right in his sight is by faith. As the prophet Habakkuk says, it, the man who finds life will find it through trusting God. How different from this way of faith is the way of the law, which says that a man is saved by obeying every law of God without one slip. But Christ has brought us out from under the doom of that impossible system by taking the curse for our wrongdoing upon himself. For it is written in the scriptures, anyone who is hanged on a tree is cursed. As Jesus was hung upon a wooden cross, Now, God can bless the Gentiles, too, with this same blessing he promised to Abraham. And all of us as Christians can have the promised Holy Spirit through this faith. Dear brothers, even in everyday life, a promise made by one man to another, if it is written down and signed, cannot be changed. He cannot decide afterward to do something else instead. Now God gave some promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that it doesn't say the promises were to his children as it would if all his sons, all the Jews, were being spoken of, but to his child. And that, of course, means Christ. Here's what I'm trying to say. God's promise to save through faith and God wrote this promise down and signed it could not be canceled or changed 430 years later when God gave the Ten Commandments. If obeying those laws could save us, then it's obvious that this would be a different way of gaining God's favor than Abraham's way. For he simply accepted God's promise. Well then, why were the laws given? They were added after the promise was given to show men how guilty they are of breaking God's laws. But this system of law was to last only until the coming of Christ, the child to whom God's promise was made. And there's this further difference. God gave his laws to angels to give to Moses, who then gave them to the people. But when God gave his promise to Abraham, he did it by himself alone without angel or Moses, as go between Well then, are God's laws and God's promises against each other? Of course not. If we could be saved by his laws, then God would not have had to give us a different way to get out of the grip of sin. For the scriptures insist we are all its prisoners. The only way out is through faith in Jesus Christ. The way of escape is open to all who believe him. Until Christ came, we were guarded by the law, kept in protective custody, so to speak, until we could believe in the coming Savior. Let me put it another way. The Jewish laws were our teacher and guide until Christ came to give us right standing with God through our faith. But now that Christ has come, we don't need those laws any longer to guard us and lead us to him. Now, we are all children of God. Through faith in Jesus Christ. And we who have been baptized into union with Christ. Are enveloped by him. We are no longer Jews or Greeks. Or slaves. Or free men. Or even merely men or women. But we are all the same. We are Christians. We are one in Christ Jesus. And now that we are Christ's, we are the true descendants of Abraham. And all of God's promises to him belong to us. A wonderful word of God. What a wonderful word. Hebrews sometimes believe that commenting on the word of God is, is not good the best thing you can do is just read it. Just almost scroll up as Jesus did and began to read. Just read. If you read the scriptures from different forms, different paraphrases, different versions, you come to a deeper walk and a deeper understanding with God. Now, reading the scriptures a beautiful thing. And that, that, but, uh remember we were in Galatians. This is kind of a stern letter here. We have gone through the first two chapters of the introduction and the personal notes and we've gone through the first ten verses of the third chapter. One of Paul's arguments for the same argument basically, but it it is trying very hard to convince this Galatian population of basically one particular thing. That is that We're justified by faith in Christ and not by the law. That's it. But he takes that horse and beats it to death with arguments over and over and over. In this third chapter, I will be going over four arguments to prove the same thing. The first 10 verses of the third chapter was also an argument to prove the same thing. And that thing, he wants hammered into the, the theological concepts of the Galatians. They were susceptible to uh, a group we have mentioned over and over, the Judaizers, who brought law and Jesus at the same time. And Paul just was ticked off by that methodology. He'd have none of it and roars out of here with this letter we've got before us. That comes down hard <clears throat> on the, the law. But I want to tell you that the law here is a sweet thing. You know, these people didn't go out of business just because Paul had, had, had an objection to them. They're still around. J- Jewish Christians are around. Have you ever heard of the Jews for Jesus? Well, it's a large movement all across the country. in the station in Brooklyn, New York. I have noticed that they will come to a Christian church and do a Seder meal for you. I had them to do it for me one time in church, and they brought all the particulars, Jewish particulars. They did some things in Hebrew. They sang some things. And we we Christians learned a lot from them. And we still have a lot to learn from people who are obedient to the Jewish law and love Jesus at the same time. uh, I can't tell you how many of them have gone, like I have, to the Holocaust Museum here in Washington to see the uh, what what the Hebrew law is like when it is captured and held in, in prisons. How the law can give you comfort and hope and joy. Uh, it's really something to see. But there are Messianic congregations, in particularly in New York, that meet together. Just like they're in a synagogue, you wouldn't know you were in a, a Christian church at all. And you're not, but you're not in a full Jewish synagogue either because they believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Well, although the whole service is in Hebrew and the congregational environment looks like a synagogue, it, it's still around. So all I'm pointing out to you is that while Paul argues himself to death about this, it doesn't do a whole lot of good. You understand because in the end, what it does is it, is it makes us Christians stable in our knowledge that Jesus died for our sins on a cross. And if we will have faith in Christ, our, we will be justified. That is made righteous by that belief. Now Paul does an interesting thing. The first argument here that I'm going to talk about is he argues, uh, about uh, Abraham, the position of Abraham, to some degree, the first ten verses do too. But he picks it up again, he picks it up, and says, and makes this wonderful argument about about Abraham. Well, in other words, who saved Abraham? If the law saves you, well, what in the world was Abraham saved saved with? Salt and water? No. He <laughs> Abraham was saved because. He loved God. He was righteous because he loved God. God asked him to sacrifice his son, you know. So Abraham got a pile of sticks on the altar and was fixing to burn ice, great up and cut him with a knife. And the Lord said, stop, stop, stop. I know now how much you love me. So you see, God is serious business with Abraham. Abraham uh, uh, initiates a covenant of circumcision. Abraham is Four or five hundred years before Moses? That's a long time. So Paul says now he backflips over Moses to earlier Abraham. Now who saved Abraham. If you say the law saves who saves A who saved Abraham? That's as simple as that. But that's an argument to convict them of the fact that, that the law is not is not necessary. Not what what, what is necessary. Then he picks up an argument that the law can't help you because the law curses you. That's the second argument. Abraham the book, the law itself. If the law can't help you, it can't help you because you're cursed if you don't obey all of that law. You've got to obey it all. And you say, well, where in the world does that come from? Well, it comes from deep in the Bible, Deuteronomy. And it, it, it's a, it's a last part of that chapter there, uh, where it talks about, let me see here, I lost my blue. For the Lord himself will send his personal curse upon you. You will be confused and in a failure in everything you do. That is to say, if you don't obey all the, all the law, you will be cursed. So that's where he gets that from. There's an inner knowledge that no matter what you do, you can't keep it. Now, you remember Jesus with a woman in adultery. He says, those of you without sin cast the first stone. And they couldn't cast the first stone at the woman caught in adultery because they knew very full and well that they had broken one dot of the law themselves. So, therefore, they couldn't say, those of you without sin cast the first stone. Jesus doesn't say, those of you without the sin of adultery cast the first stone. He didn't say that. He didn't qualify. He just left it blank because he knows that if you break one law, you broke them all. See, that's now. Well, I, I was thinking of the law and how the law. Paul comes down on the law so hard, and but you know, law is a necessary thing for society to to function. If you have a society with no laws, you've got a mess. You've got an anarchy. Back in my childhood, I lived in a small town called Gloucester down in uh, on the eastern part of, the, uh, of Virginia. So that's the southeastern portion down on the bay. And in those days, in the 1950s, we were uh, appointed police officers. They were state troopers, they were called. Each county got one or two. We got one around the 1950s. And his name was Joe Thomas. And the entire county loved that man, just, just loved him. He, uh, was a scout master at one time. They did some boy scout work. And every time there was anything going on in town, Joe Thomas would show up. Automobile accident, whatever it was. He was there. And the people that loved him. One time he was, he was flying a small plane with another trooper in, in Gloucester trying to deliver a note. To a lady that her daughter's body had been found and who had drowned out in the bay. And he was making a low pass over her house to drop a note saying that she had been her body, which which had been missing for a long time, had been discovered. And he crashed into a tree and was killed. And uh, he, he died. But the memory of him and his association with the law went on for years and years. If you get a good police officer, a good one, uh, will, will will take care of the community, and live in the community and respect the community, people will love them. They, they'll just they'll just grow to love them. Now, if they're mean and nasty and and you know insulting and hard headed and all then want to want to love them. But a good police officer was Joe Thomas. In fact, Virginia still has its police officers that die in the line of duty. They are made into a portrait. A portrait artist paints their portrait, and the, the uh, they are in the Virginia Museum of State Police officers, defenders of the law, beautifully portrayed there. Way back in the 1930s and 40s and 20s, those men that gave their life for the law, the law, law is not necessarily bad. Now, if you look at the you, if you look at the Old Testament, you will see a lot of opportunities for you to understand. That the Lord curses things. It's a curse on the Lord. Lord has a curse going with it. It anathematizes things. Says uh, all these things. Curses on on you. He who does these bad things, cursed is he who accepts a bribe to kill an innocent person. Cursed is anyone who does not obey the laws. And all people shall reply, Amen. You know. And it goes. It's got all these. Odd-looking sins. I know my father used to read the Bible very rarely, but when he did, he would usually wind up sitting there on Sunday reading from Deuteronomy. And these curses fascinated him because it's interesting. Cursed is he who moves the boundary marker between his land and his neighbors, and all the people shall reply, Amen. It goes on and going on, on, and on, and gets more and more interesting as it <laughs> as it goes along. It's worth reading. Worth reading what it is that ticks off God. See, even if you don't believe in that the law saves you, you ought to at least be acquainted with it, seem like me. Now, so the law can't help you. Jesus, the Son of God, the Redeemer, and the Savior, the Christ, the Son. Now. He says here, but Christ has brought us out from under the doom of that impossible system by taking the curse for our wrongdoing upon himself. That's verse 3, verse 13 of chapter 3. For it is written in the scripture, anyone who's hanged on the trees cursed as Jesus was hung on a wooden cross. Now God can bless the Gentiles too, too with this same blessing he promised to Abraham. And to all us as Christians can have the promised Holy Spirit through His faith. So you see, He's jumped now from from God as as Savior over to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Now it becomes the the, the fifth argument, of the fourth that I'm going to discuss this morning. Promised Holy Spirit through the faith, dear brothers. Even in everyday life, a promise made by one man to another, if it's written down, the sign cannot be changed, he cannot decide afterward to do something else instead. No, no, Jesus for Paul is a child of Abraham, promised to us. Then notice it says in verse 16 that it doesn't say the promises were to his children, if it would, if it were all his sons, all the Jews were spoken of, but of his child, that of course means Christ. See the connection. Down through the ages, how it is that uh, Abraham is the ancestor of Christ. My, my, my. My, my, my. Here's what I'm trying to say. It says God's promise to save through faith. God wrote the promise down and signed it. Could not be canceled or changed 430 years later when God gave the Ten Commandments. See, see that connection of that jumping time. My, my. Well, I want you to know that God in this letter is giving us an idea of how Paul hammers in this argument over and over, making the same point over and over. It says in verse 26, for now we are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The grace of God leads us to repent of our sins. The grace of God leads us to have faith in Christ. The touchstone of of Christian theology. That is justification. By faith. And faith alone. As Luther declared. But it's faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit does the work of salvation for us. Says St. Paul. And we who've been baptized into union with Christ, he says, are enveloped by him, the way he puts it, the way this Bible puts it. It's in the process of envelopment. He's all around you everywhere. We are no longer Jews or Greeks in the 28th verse. We're no longer slaves or free or even merely men and women. See that? That difference falls to all those differences that, we, that make us argue with one another and fight with one another. But we are all the same, he says. We, we, are, we are Christians. We are, we, are, we are of Christ now. Well, we are one with Christ Jesus. And now that we are Christ, we are the true descendants of Abraham. And all of God's promises to Him belong to us. Well, I think that we're just here at the end of the third chapter. We're going through this, through this Galatians in a, in a wonderful way. Uh, but now we are at three. We're going into chapter four. He's going to continue to press home this doctrinal argument. He's not content to go five yards. He wants a first down every time he throws a ball. Bang, bang, bang. Hitting them over and over so that they can't argue their way out of it. Because these are the arguments that were made against being saved by Christ and Christ alone. They kept inserting the law in one way or the other. One way or the other. You can see when it argues about Abraham, what's being injected is Moses. What are we to do? Forget all there is wonderful about Moses. And when he talks about the law, it's an argument against those who would say, well, if we, do, well, if we, if we just believe in Jesus and we don't have any law, what's going to be the God of our society? What's, what's going to, what's going to help us? And Paul puts that home time and time again, time and time again. Galatians. Well, beloved, I'm done. I think today I hope you enjoyed being with me here this morning. This is a this is a tough letter to go through line by line, line by line, because it doesn't give you much latitude. You just stare right on that target of that one argument to the fact that God in Christ Jesus overcomes the law. That is What is it's about. There you have it. And I wish you well today. I wish you well. God bless each one of you. You have a lovely day. Bye bye. and